My name is Heath. I'm the lead pastor here at Reach, and I'm excited uh, that we're getting things back to somewhat of a normal, not that there will be any real normal for a lot of families uh, in our area for a while, um, but we are here and are trying to love our community the best that we can, and I just want to, again, like last week, say thank you for every single person that's donated any money towards this or any time towards this. For people that have climbed under houses and gutted houses and moved trees and all this other stuff, I just want to say thank you. Because that is, and we're going to talk about this in two weeks, uh, that is what the church is for. To show our love like that and to be ongoing. When the news media is not talking about our area anymore, there will still be stuff going on and to be done. So keep your eyes and your ears open and let us continue to be the church. So we are in a series um, on core values, and uh, they'll be online if you missed the first two. Uh, we're going five weeks doing our core values. The first week we talked about this idea that if the presence of God isn't here or in what we're doing, there is no point to doing anything. There is no life change for you in just deciding that you want to change without the presence of presence of God. Without the Holy Spirit, we are unable to change. We are unable to do any of the things that God has called us to do. But with the presence of God, presence of God, everything is possible. And last week we had Alan here and Alan shared about the importance of the word. Really, we probably should have started with that because we don't even understand the presence of God without the word of God, because the word of God is what sets up how we know what the presence of God is and, and how we can see ongoing how God works in and through us. So we will continue to say, and from if you miss that, the importance is you need to be in the word. You cannot, I mean, you can be a little bit difficult. It is very difficult to be a thriving disciple. Actually, it's impossible to be a thriving disciple without being in the word, because the word is what changes us. And in every other thing that we're going to talk about, even what I'm going to talk about today, I'm going to base on the word. And it is the word that compels us to change these things in our lives. And so today I'm going to talk about this idea. One of our core values at reach is this idea that there must be a environment where there is authentic relationships happening. So this is my one thing that I, I want you to kind of walk with today, and then I'm going to try to kind of build this. The one thing is living in an authentic, gospel-centered community is the best place to grow the kingdom and your character. And here's what's actually on our website. Core value number three, authentic relationships, says real discipleship, training, and mentoring happen in authentic relationships. It is difficult to grow authentic relationships on Sunday mornings. Therefore, we will focus from day one to build community outside of Sunday morning, which is one reason why we over and over and over and over and over and over again encourage you to get in community. Because it, it is easy to live a life in front of people for an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday morning that keeps you exactly where you are. Most of the times we don't want to stay there. But when we live in authentic relationships with others, it helps us transform our life. So let me say, let me start here. Actually, let's pray. Dearly Father, um, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that right now we're able to sit 
in a room uh, that is air-conditioned, that we can illegally rent space um, in our city to proclaim who you are. And so, Lord, we just invite you into this process and into this place where I acknowledge, which I've already acknowledged, but I acknowledge that we need you. I need you. My words that come out of my mouth today without you are pointless. So, Lord, we invite you into this. Lord, I pray that you would help challenge us where we want to isolate because we're afraid. Lord, I pray that you would remove that fear and that you would call us into relationships with others that will radically transform our lives and our relationship with the church and your kingdom with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So my first little line, and I, I can I ask my wife about this because sometimes I write things and then I say words that aren't appropriate. Um, so life alone stinks is my my polite version. I had another S word in there. Um, it does. You wouldn't be sitting in this room if you desired to be alone. You just wouldn't because you have to uncomfortably make it through the parking lot by our greeters, by our, uh, and our hallway is small, so you will be seen coming in here. There's no hiding coming in here. And, and you wouldn't work all of this so that you could be alone. If you wanted to be alone, you would be sitting at your house right now hiding from people because you desire to be alone. But the truth is, or the sadder truth, is that we can be surrounded by people and still be alone. We could be sitting here right now and be the loneliest person in the room with a smile on and a firm handshake and maybe even a hug. And and there would be no acknowledgement outside of this moment that anything is going on inside of you. You could be struggling with depression right now. You could be having suicidal thoughts. You could be dealing or on the borderline of an adulterous affair. You could be there's so many things that could be happening in us and we could walk in here and act like we're good. And the danger is, is that we can then feel like we're doing our part in our Christian life by entering into this room and leaving this room for an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning. This morning, my sole purpose is to convince you that the healthiest place for you is having authentic gospel-centered relationships. Without them, our spiritual growth will be slowed down. We will be much more likely to be tossed around like a rag doll. And we will miss out on helping someone else out of the same place that you were before. But let me just, let me just tell you, it is not easy. Like what I'm talking about today is one of the tenets of our church. When I felt like I did not... In, if you want to hang around for Peace of the Past, you'll get a little bit longer of this. But, like, I didn't set out. Like, I didn't graduate from high school. Like, you can read my annual. I'm sure there was no, like, like, I actually had a high school friend that called me about eight months ago. I hadn't talked to him in years. And he was like, man, tell me how you became a pastor. <laughs> he said, because, you know, I would have never thought that you would have been a pastor in high school. And I didn't think I'd be a pastor in high school. I didn't graduate from high school. But, like, yeah, one day. <laughs> no. That's the danger of being obedient to God, though. He will ask you to do things that you didn't desire, things that you didn't plan to do. But we get there. And it wasn't my desire 
to be here, even in this city originally. But I was willing to be obedient to God. And see, we need those people because I knew from the beginning of this church that if we only focus on Sunday morning, if we only have a a good service here, then we're missing out on the majority of what the Christian life is. And I had this desire. I, th- I thought, man, we're gonna we're going to go down there and we're gonna be community, like live, like Acts two community. Like they 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 had all things in common, and if somebody had need, they would just almost like the storm. I talked to so many families that are like, you know, during the storm, and you're there in the mix. You're like, if you've got something that can help somebody else, you're like here. Like that's the heartbeat of the early church. They're like, if my brother needs something, if it, if it costs me. To sell a piece of property to do it, I will do it. That's what was going on. And so in my heart, I was like, man, I want to plant a church that's going to be interested in people having authentic relationships with each other. And that happens in community. So we're going to do that from the beginning. I thought everybody, everybody that you talk to that's honest enough about it, well, they'll be like, yes, that's exactly what is missing in my life. Most men have lost the how to have friends after high school or college. Life and work and everything else, and most of us fail miserably men. Ladies, you're a little bit better because y'all, y'all chat more. Guys, we just stand near each other. And be like, We're best friends. But I wanted that from the beginning. I started having a conversation and people were like, yes, yes, that's great. But let me just tell you, it doesn't just happen. I thought we'd move down here and we would start talking like that and people would be like, yes, yes, like I want to get in that community. I want to be in that kind of place. But it is dangerous to enter into this type of community, because if you're going to be honest, if you're going to be real, if you're going to be transparent, there is a risk involved. But I believe that the risk of not is so much greater. And the risk of not is why I believe that we're in so much trouble in marriages today, with kids today, and all these other things. Because we live this hidden life. And we never really expose what's going on. So we can never really get to the place of transforming the inside of us. And so what I want to do, I have two things that I I think... Um, two little steps that I believe that can get us to this place. And, and these aren't, you think, oh, little step one, yay, step two. No, this is a process that you will be engaged in for the rest of your life. So let me just start or continue with this idea. Why didn't Jesus, and this is big, do it alone? Why didn't Jesus come to this planet and do ministry by himself? Why did he pick 12 guys? Why, did, did he need the 12 guys? I mean, let's just be honest. D, d, has God ever needed anything? No. But God, in his divine wisdom, said, I'm going to pick, and I'm not, not even the cream of the crop guys, which is great. I mean, let me just tell you, like, like that, that's a benefit for us when we think about, like, how does God think about me? I mean, God loves to take the underdog. He loves to pull the people in. He, he picks these 12 guys. And not only did he have those 12, but he had the three that he took everywhere with him. The Mount of Transfiguration. I mean, and they were pretty dumb. <laughs> Peter, like, I think we should set up altars right here. One, two, and three. You know, he's thinking about selling tickets for people to come up and, you know, amusement park. Like, 
He wasn't thinking that. But I mean, like, that's the thing. But he had these three guys that he had around him all the time. And even in John, he said the disciple whom Jesus loved. Well, now he wrote it. So, like, but it is the word of God. It is inspired. So it is, even though he wrote it, like, that was really God's opinion of them. He wanted these guys around them. So if Jesus went in his divine ministry to start the the church, and it started with a group of people, and it grew into other groups of people, why would we do anything less? Why would we try to have church for one hour's one hour and 15 minutes on Sunday morning, feel like we are doing it. If you're new here, you're like, oh my gosh, how many hours a week does he want me? I don't want you any hours of the week. You want to be connected with people for as much as it takes to get you into the place that you need to be. And so here's my, my first thing. My step one, I believe, to get into this place of living in authentic relationships. We cannot, and this is step one, we cannot live in authentic relationships with other believers without first living in an ongoing authentic relationship with our king. You cannot leave here today and go like, I'm going to have an authentic relationship with some of these Broken people in this room, which we all are, don't take offense to that. We're all broken, including the one that has a microphone that's standing up front. Broken. We cannot have authentic relationships with others unless we're honest here. Because if we're not going to be honest with the one who sent his son to die for us, why would we look across the room and be honest with someone else? They can't heal our brokenness, cannot bind our broken heart. They can't do any of that. So we have to, if we're going to get there, we have to start there. And here's uh, my first section of Scripture that I want to go through. 1 John um, chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. And there's so much more than just this, but I want to pull a few little things out of here. This is the message we heard from Him and proclaimed to you. That God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. Do you see that? If we're going to say, oh, we're walking in the light, but we're not in the light. If we're saying like we love God and we're in relationship with him, but we're walking in darkness. Because he's saying, if we are, if we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. But if we walk in the light, if we walk in this understanding of being surrendered and submitted to God, here's the beauty. Like right now, if you're having trouble confessing something to the Father, My question is, why? Do you think he doesn't already know? Do you think in your prayer, like if we just got quiet for a minute and you just like let it out, not out loud, but just you let it out. Do you think he's going to be like, oh, my God, where was that at? Like, where was that when you did that horrible thing or whatever? He already knows. So why are we so afraid 
of just being honest and transparent with God. Because if we're not there, then we cannot have relationship with other people that are going to be healthy. Because, because, if this is good, and we know He loves us in our mess, we know that in our sin He still sent His Son for us, that He's expressed over and over again how much He loves us. And how slow to anger he is and how willing he is to long suffer with us. It changes the way we think and feel about ourselves. Because if we don't get this right, then we'll look at other people needing the approval and love that God has already given us. So the reason I believe a lot of times we sit around circles or we sit around with people that we're trying to be authentic with and lie to them or withhold things because we're afraid that their opinion of us would change. But if we understand that the only opinion that matters is constant to us, then I can look at my brothers and sisters and go, this is what's going on. And if they judge me, that's on them. And I'm not talking about like, oh, you know, again, I've, let's say something, I've run over babies. Because none of you run over babies, like you just run through daycares, and that's horrible. Um, But you did something horrible. Yeah, I'm sorry, I won't edit that because I'm not smart enough to do that. But, like, none of you guys are running over babies, right? Right? No, no, okay? If you are, there's a support group. It's called prison. (laughs) Um... We'll get you a direct line. But <laughs> just there's these little uh, bracelets that you get. They connect to each other. But the thing is, here we are unwilling to, to really be honest because we're afraid of what they're going to say. Instead of just going, hey, there's, there's a transparency that we have to live in. And this isn't a one time like, oh, I got saved when I was 12 years old and I was honest with God. If that was the last time you were honest honest with God, then you're not in a relationship with him. Ongoing, continual of going, God, hey, look. And I think Daniel actually shared this. I'm going to steal from Daniel. I think Daniel shared, and he might have stole it from somebody else, but I'm going to quote Daniel. He said that the measure of our maturity is how quickly we repent. He may not have said that. I think you've said that in the sermon. It sounds good, though. (laughs) But the measure of our maturity is how quickly we are going, God, I messed up. How quickly we are to just go, oh, man, man, I need to I need to get this correct. I need I need I need this relationship, because if this relationship exists and and there's a give and take and an up and down in this relationship with God, then the relationship that we have with others is going to potentially be in a place that it can be healthy. It's still hard. It's not going to be like, oh man, if you've got this, people sometimes are horrible. But if we've got our relationship centered with God, we have our peace. Let me continue this in verse 7. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we have no sin, we have, if we say we have no sin, we have deceived ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
if you're saying right now that you don't have a sin issue, I'm not saying you're a sinner. God cleanses us of our the, the big S. But if you're, if you're saying here, like, I'm good, there's nothing going on that I need to change, then there's a problem. But, but if we're not in that place, and if we are willing to be honest with ourselves, and we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Man, I don't know about you guys, but I want to be in a place that that is where I live every day. Just drive around. Get in traffic. I mean, traffic lately. I don't know if you've gone in and out of Wilmington during like high peak times, but whoo, someone's back to when we only had four lanes going in and out of Wilmington. So step one, if we cannot live in an authentic relationship with other, we cannot live in an authentic relationship with other believers without an ongoing authentic relationship with our king. And I know this is a short and there's so much more in there, but like that's step one. Step two is invest, commit to finding and cultivating this type of community. Like it is like jumping off a very high building. It's scary. I don't know if you've ever walked into a small group where you didn't know anyone. And this is the beauty of today. The beauty of this place is so that you can make a first contact with somebody that might be one of those people in your life. Because then, if you meet them here, it's easier to walk into a community group and go, man, there's people I know, I may not, I may not know, know them, but I know who they are, and it makes it easier. And here is just a side note into step two, investing and committing to finding and cultivating this type of relationship. One thing that will make everyone feel better is no one has everything together. No one. I'm in a um, co-leading or really in uh, love and respect with a a group of people from our church um, that meets on Tuesday. We started last week. Uh, And the beauty of it is, is if you're a love people taking things like that, love and respect. It's, you know, really getting your marriage where it should be. The reality is, is if you're walking into that group, you're acknowledging that, hey, it could be better, right? And I love the honesty when you can sit around a table and go, look, we're in this room because we want it to be better. And we're willing to be as honest in the honesty. And I, we've only had one meeting and it was great. I thought the discussion was great and the interaction was great. And, and I guarantee you between this meeting and our last one, it's going to be completely different. Because we're going to share so many experiences and be so transparent with each other that there will be a bond in that group. And at the end of that, there will be families that will be radically changed and have a different future ahead of them because of it. <clears throat> so Acts 2. Let me, I mentioned this a little bit ago. And this is, you know, the, the church began. And so if we're going to base anything on what our desire is to see church happen like, this is one of them. Acts 2, verses 44 and 47. It says, all who believe were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all 
as any had need and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. When we create healthy Gospel-centered community, it will transform our world. Because there's something. I'm telling you, the world doesn't think that this is real. That this can happen. The world, most of the world, even though we're supposed to be like 85% Christian in the U.S. Most of the world thinks we're absolutely crazy. That we would, we would limit ourself anything and take away from the joy that is possible instead of surrendering to a king that has given us life and that happened here i mean this is fresh out they had just waited for the holy spirit to come jesus had ascended into heaven in front of their eyes they waited in jerusalem the holy spirit fell peter preached a sermon, 3,000 people got saved, and those people got into relationship, into community with each other, and it was real. Like, and I'm not saying that we're here, but this is our heart. That we would get into a place that our heart would be broken as we see our brothers and sisters all around this area that have lost everything, and that we would, to our best ability do everything we can to serve and love them i mean sometimes that's just being there sometimes that's just going over and loving on people and listening to them galatians 6 verses 1 through 5 chapter 1 or verse 1 says brothers If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness, keeping watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason for boasting will be in himself alone and not his neighbor. I looked up that this week. I was like, if anyone thinks he is something, not that part, sorry, verse 4. It says, but let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. Do you know why most of us, and this is a generalization, don't take offense to this. Do you know most of us stay in the stinky places that we're in? I wanted to say a different word, but I didn't. Do you know why most of us stay in that place? Because we're looking around our neighborhoods and our county and our area and our world and go i'm so much better than look, look look think about this how many of us are staying in that place well at least i'm not i mean because i know you've got crazy neighbors and crazy family members that you could be like if if god's keeping score i'm doing better than they are 
He is keeping score and all of us is lost. Okay. All of for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All means all. There is no score table. There is no like, well, God likes this guy less, so I'm doing pretty good. But it like it says in Galatians six, we can instead of looking at someone else's work and go, man, they're just they're not even going to church. I don't know. I know they don't even own a Bible. I read once or twice this year. They don't even have one. And so when we stop looking at other people and start looking at our own work. Period. Stop comparing ourselves to other people and start just comparing our work to the calling that God has placed on us as his children. And then our boat, for one, our boasting will be gone. Our bragging about how good we're doing would be gone because we would realize that what God's called us to is so much further than we are right now. And that we would surrender that. But look at it in the midst of here. He's saying, hey, watch out for one another. Instead of like destroying them or gossiping about them or doing whatever we do, what if we would go look? I love you so much that I, I saw this thing, whatever it is. And I, like we need to pull back from that. Like this is self-destructive. Like, what if we would be that people that would be willing? Because if we've got this connection, when we look out in the world, we're willing to lay our lives down for those other people. And we would be willing to do that even more so when we keep an eye on our own work and stop comparing. Hey, a couple um, weeks ago or a month ago, we I, I taught out a part of this Hebrews 3 verses 12 and 13, kind of the same idea that we would be interested in investing and being transparent with one another. Verse 12, it says, take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Look. We will be hardened by sin if we don't live in authentic relationships because we will say to ourselves, it's not that bad. It's like, I'll take care of it later. I don't know how many people have said that for years and decades until it just destroyed or blew up their lives. It's not that bad. Like, all oh, that, that, that addiction is not that bad. I can, I can handle it. Like, I, I've got it. I'm doing okay with it. Like, our area is filled with rehab places with people that have tried to manage it themselves. And I can guarantee you that most of those people were deceiving the ones around them with what's really going on. That if we can live in this community, that we can restore others like this, and that we'd be willing to live, because you cannot, you know, like this doesn't work very well if you're just Facebook friends. And you go over to their house and knock on the door and be like, hey, buddy, I saw you post this and we need to talk about it. it that's a little weird, right? I mean, because they're Facebook friends. They're not like real friends. Because <laughs> if those are your only friends and... This is why we need authentic community. But when you when you've started to surround yourself, the work of surrounding yourself by people that love Jesus and love you, then this is easy. 
Like, I have people in my life that call me. I have a friend from back home that's been calling me for years, since, and I have not lived back in my hometown for seven years. Another pastor in town that I meet with every week. Like, I want transparency. Like, I want this in my life. It has to be something that you desire. Like, it has to be on your part of going, I need. I need people to be honest and transparent around me. And a lot of time that starts with you. I think some of our most successful community groups that we've had here in our church is groups that have been willing, and usually it takes that first person to just go, here's what's really going on. And it breaks this kind of false facade that we put up and go, oh man, I also need help there. Here's another one. Romans um, verse 12, or chapter 12, verse 9 and 13. And uh, the heading of this is marks of the true Christian. Starting in verse 9. It says, let love be genuine, real. And I'm not saying like what we Southerners do where we say horrible things about people and we say, bless their soul. Bless their heart. God bless them, even when we just destroy them in front of other people. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdoing one another with showing honor. Could you imagine what our county would look like if this was the the mentality? That we would love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another with showing honor. Verse 11, it says, do not be small, slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saint and seek to show hospitality. Love being real, real love is honest. Now, I'm not talking about mean honest. If you're married, you know what that means. Because we get mean honest sometimes. They're like, I was just telling the truth. Love and respect, people. Side note. And so step one is we have to have this connection. We cannot live in authentic relationships with other believers without living in an ongoing authentic relationship with our king. Step two, invest and commit into finding and cultivating this type of community. Step three is repeating step one and two the rest of your life. Period. And if if step one suffers, then step two is going to suffer this reality. So I have some questions. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. And I have some things I want. Knowing about a person is not the same as knowing a person. So here's the first question as we get ready to worship and hopefully have some honest time with God is who knows you here? Like knows you. Not knows about you. Not knows your name. Or your F3 name. (laughs) Sorry. Mine is Snickers. But who knows you? Who really knows you here? And this takes time. And it takes probably several efforts of joining into community life until you find people that you're like, man. I want to be around this. Because that's what the church was. They created this environment that they wanted that. 
Here's your next thing to kind of stir in. What are you doing to cultivate an authentic relationship with your king? What are you doing daily? Like, what are you doing in your life to make sure that that relationship with you and the Father is real? Not superficial, not religious, not checking boxes, but I'm talking about what are you doing to do that? Because again, if you aren't being real with God, that you cannot be real with people. And here's the last thing. What are you doing to discover, develop, and maintain healthy, gospel-centered relationships? Who in here are you investing in? Who in this room are you working on getting to know you? And I'm not saying like, hey, we're going to break in just a few minutes and you're just going to get partnered up with somebody and you're just going to bear your soul. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about getting to that place of security with your father so that you can be okay being vulnerable with other people until you find people that you're like, man, I like being around them. And not because they don't challenge me. I like being around them because they make me better people. Because our church will not be successful unless we can create healthy community. Because we can do things and we can attract people and we can grow our number here on Sunday morning. But at the end of the day, that doesn't mean a load of beans. God is not going to pat me on the back with how many people that we had here on Sunday morning. God is going to pat me on the back or say, well done, good and faithful servant, based on the number of people that we have led into a relationship with Jesus, help them cultivate that and begin to transform their life so that they begin to do the same thing. And they maintain this life. Community is discipleship. And so our success rate here is how are you connected, how are you growing, and how are you helping other people grow? And so I just encourage you, if that's not you, if, you're, if your heart is like, man, I want that, uh, Greg, which is right here, he's not there anymore, um, Greg right here is in charge of our community groups, our community life director. And so if you're like new here and you missed our sign up a couple weeks ago, but you would like to get plugged into a group, we have groups that you can get plugged into right now. Find Greg. Say, hey, Greg. It's his birthday. Give him a birthday present. Like there would be no better birthday present for Greg of you going, I need a community group. I mean, like you don't have to get him anything if you do that. <laughs> Except you, Rebecca. You, you know. So find somebody, begin to work in that process of going, I want to be known. Because if you're going to hang out around here, you're never going to, you're, I'm never going to stop saying that. I'm never going to get in a place that, it, that I'm satisfied with you showing up here on Sunday morning and not entering into a relationship with people. And if you can deal with that annoyance and still hang around, I'm not going to make you leave. But I want you to be connected. I want you to have those relationships because in those relationships is where your life gets transformed. Let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord, we just thank you again for your word. We thank you that you have made it available that we can have relationship with you. That right now in this room that we people that have been separated from you by our own personal willful sin can confess and repent and call on your name and be saved. 
And Lord, with that, Lord, we want to maintain that in our lives. So if there are children in this room that we have been lazy in our relationship with you and we know it, we're not condemned by it, but we're convicted by it. And we want to change that. Lord, I pray that you right now would establish in people a desire to get into your word, to get back into a habit of talking with you through prayer, Lord, and entering into uh, relationships with other people. Gospel-centered community that is going to transform not only our life, but our community. And so, Lord, as we worship this last song, I pray that you would stir in us an affection for other people and a desire to enter into those relationships that not only change us, but change our world. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.